Welcome back to another episode of the Unintentional Grounding Podcast. My name is Ian Wind. As always, I am joined by my good amigo, my high school homie, Josh Hoffman. What's up, Josh? How's it going, dude? Good to be back. Talking talking some NFL today. A lot of big news has dropped the past couple weeks since free agency started, and probably the biggest one of all yesterday. I'll let you take it away. Yeah, this is going to be an NFL-centric pod, a little bit on the shorter end as well, and we will probably be back on a quick turnaround uh, in the next couple days talking about March Madness and some other topics, but we're going to focus just on the NFL this uh, this time around just because a lot of things have happened. Uh, real quick before I get into that, I just want to give a shout out to our good friend Tommy Scafidi. Uh, you can find him on Spotify and SoundCloud at Tommy Everest. Uh, he made our new intro music, which is absolute fire. So thank you, Tommy. You're the man. Yes, Tommy. Thank you. It, it really was Fuego. <laughs> it's so much better. Yeah, so much. I mean, listen, that, that first music that I tried to make. Oh, it, I tried, I mean, it was solid. Don't get me wrong. I but, tried my best, but it, yeah, it wasn't as good. I mean, it, it was definitely better than I would have made. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy, a real one for that. Yeah, Tommy Tommy knows what he's doing when it comes to that stuff. So thank you, Tommy. Uh, everyone, please check him out on Spotify and SoundCloud. All right, we are going to get into NFL trades, free agency. Crazy, crazy beginning to the offseason. I mean, I, I know that in Pat, you know, every year in the NFL, something crazy happens. There's big storylines, but it really feels like free agency this time around has been much busier than normal, just starting at the top. Uh, Tom Brady unretired after three months, sort of surprising, but also not surprising at all because it's didn't, Tom Brady. Didn't I say to you at like when it happened that he's coming back? Like, there's, I did not think this was gonna. I, I did. I just did not think he was gonna commit this year. Like, he he, he was still at such a high level, and I don't think he was ready to step away. I, I think it was just more of a, I need to step away from football for a little bit and rethink my thoughts but I, I was never of the belief that he was not he was going to stick it out this year yeah i think uh, i think you did tell me that and i think a lot of people also felt the same way i just think it's funny that he the way this happened was you know the, the, at least the theory is that he was at a manchester united game watching cristiano ronaldo and ronaldo had a hat trick in that game and that third goal came at like the very end of the game and it was an important game for them to win. And I think that sort of, you know, I don't want to say reignited because I don't want to say that Brady wasn't ever the most competitive person, but he probably saw that and was like, okay, I got to I got to play football again. <laughs> yeah. LeBron also dropped 50 the night before, which I think he mentioned as well. So <laughs> I think yeah. seeing these old, old, old <clears throat> parts doing this, you know, he was like, all right, I, I can get back on the horse. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So I think like, you know, obviously this puts the Bucks back into Super Bowl contention. They still have a really good defense, although they did lose uh, one of their safeties, Jordan Whitehead. But overall, good defense. They also signed Russell Gage, who I think is a pretty underrated player. I think he'll be really solid with Brady, especially while the team doesn't have Godwin, uh, because obviously Godwin tore his ACL. So or it might be. Or, and and of course, yeah, AB, thank you for reminding me. So <laughs> that's a lot of vacated targets. I, I do think that Gage will be helpful for the Bucks. Um, oh, yeah, and, I uh, agree. I completely forgot they also got rid of Howard, right? Didn't he sign somewhere else? Yeah, OJ Howard, I don't remember where he signed, but I do not think he is on 
the Bucks yeah. anymore. So I, you know, I'm assuming that it's going to be Gronkowski coming back for another season, just because that's Brady's back. He'll get Gronk to come back, and then they have Cameron Braid as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're 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 right back at the top of the NFC. We'll 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 see though. I think they definitely may be a little worse. And but again, it seems like the AFC is where everyone got better, not the I, NFC. I think that's another thing too. It's like he probably looked Brady probably looked at just how the landscape is unfolding, seeing that all the best competition for the most part is in the AFC now, and so why not run it back with the Bucks? They're probably going to be favorites to win the NFC or like in the top two or three. You know, I'd say it's probably them or the Rams. I don't really view. You know, we'll talk about Devonte Adams in a second, but like, I don't really view Green Bay as as you know winning the conference at this point but anyways that's a good segue into our next news point which is that Aaron Rodgers did resign in Green Bay I believe it's a three-year deal or something and he's getting paid north of 50 million per year yeah it's fat stacks he deserves it I mean just I'm talking strictly in the football sense he is the best or a top two three quarterback yeah um so yeah, but they lost Devonte Adams. We're going to talk about that. Uh, they they traded Devonte to the Raiders. Apparently, you know what happened was they franchise tagged him, and they, you know, they, he didn't want to play for Green Bay anymore. And and we're going to get to that. But just on the topic of Rogers, apparently the story is that Rogers knew that Devonte didn't want to be there anymore, and he re-signed the contract in Green Bay under that assumption that that Adams would be gone. So this wasn't the kind, like some people were saying like, oh my God, I can't believe they would trade him after, you know, re-signing Rodgers and obviously Rodgers and the Green Bay front office did not get along for a while. But I think this time everyone was in the loop and they kind of understood what was going on. Yeah. I mean, I even, I said that as well, but I also said like, there's no way this trade happens without Rodgers giving the okay or at least knowing about it. you know, I think it was still kind of crazy for Rodgers to resign, thinking that they're going to have a real good shot at a Super Bowl without Devontae. But I think he had to know or sign off on this one. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, the next big one, which dropped yesterday, which is probably the biggest news of all, is Texans trading Deshaun Watson to the Browns right after the Browns said we're not in the running anymore. Um, but this was a massive deal. I mean, this is this is historic numbers for a quarterback, right? Like, what what, what was it? Uh, I don't even remember the numbers. But they pretty much the Browns are giving up three first round picks, um, and a bunch of other picks, and paying this guy a butt ton of money, um, which you know, in terms of quarterback and in the NFL is well deserved. You know, Deshaun when healthy is you know top five quarterback and can be the most elite quarterback in the league um and baker last year really stunk it up i mean baker had a good rookie season and seemed like he might have got a little better and then fell off again and he's dealt with injuries so i think it's a no-brain move for i mean like a like a total totally smart move for the browns um you know they're handicapping themselves a little bit but i think they have the pieces to with now deshaun coming in to just immediately be arguably the favorite in their division when they were already competing to almost get into the playoffs every year the past few years yeah yeah i mean there's a lot to unpack here and uh just to be clear we're recording this on march 19th 
uh, he was traded yesterday, like Josh said, March 18th. Um, yeah, I mean, the Texans got three first-rounders for him, a third-rounder and a fourth-rounder. I mean, that's a pretty historic haul. I think there's only been one other trade in NFL history where where the acquiring or or the 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 quarterback leaving the team uh they got three first rounders in exchange for that player i think it might have been emmett smith like way back when with the cowboys they got three first round picks for him or something like that so this is a pretty historic trade in terms of the amount of capital exchanged um i think it's really good for the texans just because davis mills is actually showing some promise as a quarterback so like a good point it's a really good point now they have they're gonna have so many assets to to help surround him with and obviously it falls on the front office to to put that team back together and you know they'll be bad for a number of years but you know it's they, they got a good haul for a player like watson who theoretically should have had less value based on the fact that he's there's a lot of controversy surrounding him off the field um so i think the texans did well here and from strictly from a football sense of course i you know i'm all i'm with you about the browns you know this is this puts them in contention among some of the best teams in the afc i do think that the afc is so crowded that i just think it's unlikely that deshaun watson will lead the browns to like a super bowl appearance or even like multiple wins in the playoffs necessarily but but it's at least it's at least much more possible now than it was when obviously when baker was there they have a lot of playmakers we didn't even mention amari cooper getting traded from the cowboys to the browns so that's going to be a great connection between watson and cooper yeah i i mean i think from a football perspective, I don't know if I like completely agree with that take. I think I think this gives the Browns a really good shot actually cuz they have a, a pretty good defense, like one of the better defenses of the kind of higher echelon teams in the AFC and you know, we saw with the very limited resources that they had when he was there that he was able to kind of he was able to do things for the Texans, you know. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know. Like, I think just a lot of the the downfalls of the Browns were more on Baker uh, last year. And I don't know. Like, I think you put Watson in those same positions, they're going to be winning a lot of those close games. Like, even, even with Baker, the Browns were in games against some of the better teams. So, I mean, I think they're, this definitely puts them right there with the potential to, you know, go deep in the playoffs and, you know, with, in the next couple of years, get even a few more pieces. Like, I think they're right there. I mean, we just saw Joe Burrow go to the Super Bowl with less than the Browns have. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I agree that like the Browns are going to be really good. I think they're going to be a great regular season team. I, they definitely are going to be capable of winning playoff games. I'll, I agree with that. I just don't see my, you know, it's just hard for me to imagine them having a ton of success in the AFC that is crowded now with like five of the best seven teams in the, in the entire league or something like that. You know, like I'm taking the Bills over the Browns. I'm still taking the Chiefs over the Browns and, you know, it's fair to disagree on that. I'm sure I think I'm taking the Chargers over the Browns. I might even be taking the Broncos over the Browns. Like there's a lot, there's just a lot of good teams in the AFC that I, that I would pick over the Browns. But, but the the point is, is from a strictly football sense, 
this elevates the franchise a lot. Um, from a non-football sense, I think this does the opposite because I think fully guaranteed, like they just gave Deshaun Watson the most money in NFL history, the most guaranteed money in NFL history. His contract is fully guaranteed at like, yeah. I think it's five years, 225 million or something along those lines. And, yeah, and this is a guy that... guaranteed. Yeah, and this is a guy that has a massive amount of off the field controversy surrounding him and it doesn't matter that he wasn't criminally charged with with something related to the sexual assault allegations just the fact that 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 is surrounding his aura right now is just like i don't know how a team could just be willing to shell out that much money and obviously trading all the picks and everything for him uh without understanding that there would be massive blowback from you know fans of the league but also fans of the browns like you're, i just see it a lot on twitter how like a lot of people are not happy with this so yeah. i don't know it's it's a controversial thing but uh, you know again from a football sense assuming he is going to play games he's a massive upgrade over baker mayfield that much is obvious yeah i think i think the biggest thing with you know the all the off-field stuff is just it, it's a big indicator of where the nfl is in terms of how they view you know i don't want to say political stuff because it's not a political thing but you know uh just you know like you know how we always say like it's 2022 and like people are more woke now and all that type of stuff you know like i think the Kaepernick stuff before with race issues was like a big indicator of where the NFL was with the fact that he's still not playing. And now this is just another one of those where this is not the first time. This is obviously the most extreme version of any sexual assault type case in the NFL, but this is not the first time that someone in the NFL has kind of been accused. Some even have potentially... I don't know, but you you know, you kind of know what I'm saying. Um, and it's just, I think this is, it's a big deal. And for the NFL and just these teams to kind of like, as soon as he wasn't uh, legally um, charged for anything, they were like, oh, well, we're good to go. You know, it's, which is a kind of a fucked up way to go about it. Uh, but at the same time, it's just like, I, I think it's another one of those, I think this might be kind of a hot take, but just one of those sh showings of, what power and money can do for you it's like I, it's so hard to imagine that there's 22 cases against him and they can't legally find any evidence to charge him that's just it's kind of mind-boggling to me um but. yeah yeah i i just think you know i was <clears throat> for lack of a better term shitting on the browns yesterday for making like uh, trading him trading for him is one thing which in and of itself is is controversial i think but but guaranteeing him of 225 million dollars um and designing the contract such that if he were to get suspended in the first year he basically won't lose any money at least as a percentage of the total contract it basically tells us that what the browns think which is like we don't care if he gets suspended we think there's a chance he might get suspended or otherwise we wouldn't have structured his contract like that but but when i was talking to some people about that they did you know they pointed out like it's really not just the browns this is a problem kind of in a, a variety of 
of leagues, but you know, specifically the NFL, it seems like doesn't really learn from the past about this stuff. Again, I'm not saying that like Deshaun Watson should be canceled necessarily, but like it just feels wrong to guarantee someone a quarter of a billion dollars when there's 22 women who have said that he has sort of engaged in let's just call it sexual misconduct yeah you know so i I just think that there's definitely a moral and ethical piece to this that is pretty uncomfortable um but anyways yeah it's just it's just not new for the nfl to like you know to take that stance you know the the nfl is cash rules everything around me and everything else is you know they're blinders right it's just it's it's truly mind-boggling but no, it's it's the NFL for you. Yeah, definitely. But anyways, we are going to move on to the AFC West. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happened in the AFC West. We talked about Devontae Adams before. But just taking it from the top, I think the biggest, most impactful thing that happened with the AFC West is that the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson to Unreal. the Broncos for, well, let's say Russell Wilson and a fourth-round pick to the Broncos for two firsts in 2022 and 2023, two seconds in those years, and then a fifth-round pick as well. Uh, they also received Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, and Drew Locke from the Broncos. So this is like a gigantic haul for Russell Wilson. Um, yeah, massive. What were your initial reactions to this trade, and is there anything since then that, that you've thought of? Um, yeah, so I guess my initial reactions were, wow, <laughs> like, I can't believe, like, because I mean, I think it, it made sense in the end, because the whole talk in the offseason was, is, is Aaron Rodgers going to choose the Broncos, or is he going to choose the Packers? Um, so when he chose the Packers, you know, within, I think, like, 12 hours, this, this trade became official. Um, and, you know, in terms of, this division that already had like you know the Raiders and the Chiefs in the playoffs last year the Chargers have obviously took a massive leap last year and with one of the best young quarterbacks but now you have you have a vet who's won a Super Bowl uh he's really good um he's you know been stinking it up in Seattle but Seattle's kind of just been a dumpster fire the past couple years um and I think the big question is this does feel like little too much personally um that they might be giving up a little too much i mean i think we all know russell wilson's ceiling but i think even when the seahawks were in a decent place without injuries or whatever he wasn't hitting that ceiling the past couple years so i think it will be interesting to see the version of russell wilson and i mean even if he's not the best version he's still you know top eight top 10 quarterback in the league like without a doubt um so, I mean, I think I just, I know this makes this team better. I just don't know how much better. And, you know, if they make, if they make some moves, maybe not this year, but next year, you know, they'll, I think they'll be right there. But uh, I just, you know, I would put the Bills ahead of them. I put the Chiefs ahead of them. I put the Chargers ahead of them. Um, I, I might even put the Raiders ahead of them with the, the moves they made. And, um. And, you know, they might be on, like, kind of similar terms with the Browns if Watson plays. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this gets him back into playing in the playoffs and competing at a high level. 
but I just I just don't know if this gets the Broncos back to winning the Super Bowls that he wanted in that press conference that he had or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm generally with you. I do think their Super Bowl ceiling is maybe a little bit higher than what you seem to think it is, but overall, they're probably going to be the second or third best team in the West, in the AFC West, um, which is going to mean that they're not going to have a bye, which is going to, you know, when you don't have a bye, it's going to, it just makes it that much harder to to progress in the playoffs. Um, I do think that they're going to be a very good regular season team, though. Um, they gave up a ridiculous amount to get Russ, and like he's thirty, what is he, thirty three? So like, yeah, he'll probably be good for at least another four or five years because he's Russ, and he, you know, he's kind of one of those crazy personalities where like. He watches film all the time, and he takes really good care of his body. And he's historically been very durable. He hasn't—he's only missed a couple games in his career. So I do think that they're getting him for a number of years, and he'll still probably be pretty good. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of questions as to like how this team will come together. Getting rid of Noah Fant. Noah Fant's obviously a talented tight end. I will say though that the Broncos had good depth at that position. They have Albert Ogwen. Oguenabukam. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Albert. I mean, Alberto. There were, there Let's were call a him Alberto. Tight ends that, that showed up last year when Fant was out or just not performing as well. Because I thought, I, I mean, I drafted Fant in fantasy a couple years ago thinking like this could be one of the new good tight ends. Um, but, you know, he, he hasn't really been up to that level. So I don't think it's like a massive loss. But, you know, I, I do think they gave up a lot as well. Yeah, I just I think that it'll be interesting to see how impacted they are as far as team building goes by not having a first or a second round pick in each of the next two drafts. Um, I do think though that their defense is good enough that they can be a contender. I I I do think that they have an outside chance at the Super Bowl. I just think, like you said, in the, in the uber uh, crowded and talented AFC, it's probably still not going to happen for them. I, 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 At least not this year. Yeah, I mean, I think the Bills... I mean, we, we'll talk about, like, who we think... Like, we'll talk about power rankings as it gets closer to the NFL season in a couple months. But, like, I personally think the Bills are probably the best team in the league right now. Oh, yeah. Um, they got better, and they were right there. <laughs> yeah, and so when you combine, you know, with just all the other AFC teams, it just seems hard for for the, the the Broncos to to really be that top two, top three, you know, in that elite tier of the AFC. But getting to watch this team play the Chiefs mm-hmm. and the Raiders and the Chargers twice a year each for the next, I don't know, three or four years with Russ, that's going to be really, really fun. I'm, I'm, I mean, I think this is obvious, but everyone, I think, is looking forward to these AFC West matchups now. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers became my second favorite team a couple years ago to watch outside of the Patriots, and I've watched pretty much every single one of their games. And, you know, this division is just going to be so much fun to watch. There's never going to be a game that is not, if not on prime time, at least like a big deal every single weekend. So it's it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's let's We had Devontae Adams on the queue next, but let's actually skip just on to the chargers on that topic let's talk about the chargers so you want to go through that yeah sure so they made some moves specifically on the defensive end which is you know what they needed they're making making um good on their window with justin herbert right like 
they we saw last year Herbert is just I mean he took a massive step forward was one of the better quarterbacks in the entire NFL last year but their defense was awful <laughs> awful specifically like, their run defense yeah specifically the, yeah that's a good point specifically their run defense um and so they got Khalil Mack they traded for Khalil Mack who I at least last year I think was injured and you know not his top tier Khalil Mack but you know when healthy and even performing below his highest capabilities he's still one of the best rush defenders in the entire NFL um and they needed someone like that um and then you know their corners were solid they they have a bunch of young guys who got better but signing JC Jackson for the Pats to a big deal five year deal was i think was really good as well you know you got a really top tier corner who showed last year that you know you have a good scheme and you have a good pieces around him he he's he's going to flourish so um you know they signed a few defensive tackles but you know like the goal of improving against the run which was just so bad i mean we saw them get torched week after week after week by running backs quarterbacks whatever um and you know they they kept mike williams on the offense you know so the offense is going to be pretty similar but i mean if Herbert takes another step forward to be like MVP candidate or even just right below that, you know, and these defensive improvements, like I don't see a world where the Chargers aren't a top four AFC East team or AFC East, well, AFC team. Um, and, you know, potentially even competing for the title. I mean, I think this team is more loaded, arguably, than the um, than the Bengals were kind of throughout this their kind of playoff run this year and you know that the Bengals kind of fell on a little magic and figured out how to play at the right time but this Chargers team is going to be really really scary next year yeah I'm really excited to watch the Chargers I do think that JC Jackson is going to be really good I although just with the caveat that like when a player especially or specifically a defensive player leaves the Patriots there's always a question about like you know, how much of their success was due to Belichick and defense versus like how, how good is that player actually? So it's very possible that JC Jackson could just still be a lockdown corner for the chargers, in which case that team is going to be scary to deal with. Because what they have, um, Samuel on the other side, right? Well, they, yeah, they have Asante Samuel who is going to be a second year player. He was a rookie last year, Asante Samuel Jr. in the slot. He's really, really good slot cornerback. I don't know who, I think they have also have Chris Harris, who's, who's used to be on that. Uh, the Broncos. He's a very good player. Um, I I think that the weakness for the Chargers probably there are two s- spots that I where I'm a little well. Okay, so obviously they need to continue to improve their run defense. I think that they've made some strides, and Khalil Mack is a good run defender as well. You know, in addition to what he's known for, which is like pass rush. So they've already addressed that a little bit, but I think that they probably need to do that a little bit more in the draft, perhaps. And then the other areas where I think that they might be still a little weak is that, you know, they drafted Rashawn Slater, who's an offensive tackle last year, and he was really good as a rookie on the left side. Their left side of their offensive line was great. Their right side was not good at all. So they might, that's, that's an area where they probably need to improve if they just, you know, if, again, we're talking about that top tier of the AFC we're talking about Super Bowl contenders. So they probably want to get another tackle or a guard that they can, you know, put on the right side to help them there. And then I honestly think that they might want to draft another receiver too. I know that they have Keenan mm-hmm. Allen. I know that they have Mike Williams. Obviously, Mike Williams has 
some durability concerns. Like even if he's playing every game of a season, he's never. It seems like he's never really a hundred percent healthy after the first maybe month mm-hmm. of the season. And you know they have Josh Palmer there, who's like a good depth piece. I think he showed a couple flashes when he was called upon, but this upcoming draft has five really good receiving talents you know there's other guys too but there's probably five receivers who are going to go in the first round i wouldn't be shocked if the chargers decided to take one of those guys just because you want to surround herbert with you know maximum amount of weapons and like just speaking plainly like the chargers tight ends aren't that good so if they had like a third playmaker in addition to or i guess i should say a fourth because they have eckler Having that fourth playmaker would would go a long way, especially in that division. So those are the areas where I think that they can improve. But even if they don't improve that much, I still think this is a top three or four team in in the AFC right now. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree, and I think that also makes sense because I mean, again, going back to the Bengals, we just saw you know their offensive line was doo doo. He was getting run over every game, but he had what four, five, six weapons. So, you know, he gets the ball out quick, they make plays, you know, you get yards. So, you know, if you have multiple people you can throw to that aren't going to be locked down every single play, you can kind of minimize the impact of having a weaker offensive line, it seems. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where their pick is, but and I don't know if they're going to have access to one of those top guys. But if not, you know, I imagine they'll pick someone on the offensive line too, which would just be huge. Yeah, because they didn't make the playoffs, they have a top... I guess it would be 18 or 16 mm-hmm. pick. I don't know what it exactly is, but the point is, is they will be able to draft a, re- a good receiver if they want to. The question is, you know, will they choose to go offensive tackle or defensive tackle, you know, in that first round or not? But mm-hmm. that'll be something that I'm going to be monitoring pretty closely as well. Um, anyways, let's move on to the Raiders, who obviously we talked about this before, but they made the big move of signing Devontae Adams, or sorry, trading for Devontae Adams and then giving him an extension. Um, They traded a first-round pick and a second-round pick, uh, both of which are in this year's draft, to the Packers in exchange for Devontae Adams. I honestly thought that they could have gotten more. Um, So, I I, I mean, I don't know. because they franchised him, you probably weren't going to get a ton. You know, maybe if he had re-signed a deal with the Packers and then, you know, you were like, you had to take on the contract or, or, or you know, that type of scenario, they might have gotten more. But I think the combination of Adams wanting out, he, I think he even said, I'm not playing franchise. Like, you can franchise me, but, you know, another Le'Veon Bell situation type thing. You know, I think the, I think it was more like, hey, we're at least getting a couple picks for this. We're getting two high picks, a first round pick, you know, like, I think we just kind of need to let this guy go is kind of the scenario it just seems weird because like the jets got and granted maybe this was just more of an outlier but the jets traded jamal adams to the seahawks a couple years ago and got two first rounders like you would think that Devonte adams would command more capital than jamal adams but i you know i don't know maybe the packers well, it was also one of those things where like the Packers didn't have as much leverage because they knew yes, that Devontae absolutely. was only going to play for the Raiders, uh, at least in this particular situation. So Yeah, I think the leverage scenario. And I'm pretty sure Jamal Adams got traded mid-season, correct? Um, or no? 
I can't. I, I don't recall. I do think I, it's I possible. I partly think yeah. it was mid season, and the Seahawks were like, "Look, this might be our last chance to go go for it." You know, get get a improved defender. Let's see if we can make one more run at it. So you know, I think the Seahawks were like, "All right, like, we got to make this move." But I think in this scenario, again, you know, they didn't have the Packers didn't have the leverage, and they were like, "You know, hey, we're getting we're getting a couple high high end picks. Let's just let's just go for it." Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, I'm of the opinion that Devontae Adams is the clear number one receiver in the league, and so yep. I guess if I'm a Packers fan, I was hoping to get more in return for him, but but all oh, things yeah. considered, you know, they had to move on, and they did. He didn't want to play in Green Bay anymore, and now he's on the Raiders, and I gotta say, like, this Raiders offense might be really, really good. There's a, there's a lot of turnover just in the sense of, like, Josh McDaniels is the coach there now, you know, former yeah. Patriots offensive coach. So it might take a second for like everything to come together here just because that's what happens when there's turnover anywhere. But the combination of Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller, and I mean, for, just forgetting about the run game, obviously Josh Jacobs is a capable running back and they have some other running backs there too. But those three pass catchers, that's like, how does a defense cover those guys? All of those guys are going to be problems. Waller is a complete mismatch. Anytime he's on, you know, anytime he's on a linebacker, essentially, he's going to be open. Uh, Renfro, n- nobody can guard Renfro. He's, his route running, he's just like too crafty. Kind of, you know, kind of like Edelman. Honestly, mm-hmm. honestly, this maybe this is a hot take. I think Renfro is better than Edelman. Um, yeah, at at I mean, certain I, things, I don't. I don't think that's a, necessarily a hot take. I mean, Edelman was unbelievably solid for us for a long time, but he wasn't like ever the most elite wide receiver in the league or anything. Yeah, and then obviously, just to finish this point off, like Devonte, nobody can cover Devonte anywhere on the field at any time. He yeah. he basically is going to require double coverage. And they're not going to be able. To, defenses aren't going to be able to double cover him when they have to deal with Renfro and Waller and the run game. So I, I think it's really, I'm really, really interested to watch this Raiders offense. Um, I, you know, I know you're a little higher than, on on the Raiders as a whole than I am. I still think they're the fourth best team. <laughs> as crazy as that is to say, I still think they're the fourth best team in the con- in the division. Um, I'm not a big fan of their defense generally, even though they did add Chandler Jones and, and their pass rush will be pretty good. But I'm really excited to watch their offense uh, just to see how it comes together, if it comes together. You know, Josh McDaniels, is. everyone says like, oh, such a good offensive mind, you know, on the Patriots and whatever. But like people forget that Josh McDaniels was once also a very bad head coach for the Broncos. So mm-hmm. it remains to be seen how the Raiders will do under his uh, under his leadership. But very interested to look to see the offense specifically. And yeah, I think the biggest winner here is, is obviously Derek Carr, who could now yeah. have I mean, Derek Carr should have a pro ball caliber season now, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Josh McDaniels piece is you'd like to think that his second stint, you know, he he's take he's he hasn't been a head coach for a number of years. He went back to his old position. He probably learned a lot from being a head coach the first time, and I think he's going to a much better team here than he had with the Broncos the first time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's really exciting. I didn't I realized yesterday that Devonte played with Derek Carr back in college which is probably a big reason why he wanted to go there, which I didn't know uh, beforehand when the trade initially happened. 
And it's just, like you said, I mean, Adams is arguably, if not just straight up, the best wide receiver in the league. Darren Waller, when he's healthy, which has kind of been a question mark the past year, um, is arguably the best, if not top two, top three tight end in the league. Hunter Renfro is probably the best, if not like top three upcoming wide receivers in the league. And slot like, receivers. Yeah. 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 And uh, Josh Jacobs, as you said, is very capable as a running back. So, you know, I think this offense is just as scary as any offense in the entire league, if not on par with the Chiefs in terms of mismatch, creating opportunities for their second, third. And even when these best guys are covered, they'll still get the ball. So, yeah, I, I just, the reason I have them at third in this division, if not even possibly second, is just because. I don't think outside of the Chiefs, this is probably the second best offense, in my opinion, um, capable, like at least ceiling wise. Um, so you know, yeah, if the pieces don't come together, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a shitstorm. But generally speaking, I just think this this, this is this seems scary. I mean, this whole division scary. <laughs> it really is. Um, you mentioned the Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs are the other remaining team that we haven't talked about in the AFC West. Uh, they're sort of the kings of the AFC West historically, right? Like the last, you know, basically since Mahomes, even a little bit before that, the Chiefs have always been the 1A team here. Um, and they've had a pretty quiet free agency this year, you know, in comparison to the other three teams here. They did sign Juju Smith-Schuster to a one-year deal. Uh, Byron Pringle left. I believe he signed with the Bears or somewhere else. Um but Juju is obviously a massive upgrade to Byron Pringle, and I'm really excited to see how true or not true the whole concept of the third playmaker on the Chiefs being, you know, really good is going to end up being. You know, like a lot of times people are like, well, if they just had that one, <clears throat> that one more guy who could consistently get open and be productive when the defenses are focusing on Kelsey and Tyreek. Like that, that would make them truly unstoppable. So now we get to see whether that's actually going to be the case because I do think Juju Smith-Schuster is a very talented player. I think he's shown that early in his career with the Steelers, and now he's—I mean, Patrick Mahomes now compared to Ben Roethlisberger a few years ago, like it's still a gigantic difference. It's a world of mm-hmm. difference. So hopefully, um, you know, hopefully for the Chiefs, Juju Smith-Schuster will be a good, a good. Uh, signing it's only one year so he's probably betting on himself but uh, I'm really excited to see how he does there I and I I personally my initial thought is that he's going to be very very good on the Chiefs Um, they also signed safety Justin Reed from the Texans safety was kind of a position of of issue last year Um, Daniel Sorensen was was really terrible to be just speaking plainly <laughs> on the Chiefs. Um so so now they have Justin Reed there and you mentioned before we started recording that uh Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, is still uh on the market. He's a free agent. So it remains to be seen what he's going to do. I don't know if he's going to come back to the Chiefs. Um they did also lose cornerback Charvarius Ward to the 49ers. So they probably are going to need to address their secondary um in the draft here and, and maybe even in free agency as well with some some smaller names but uh, you know i i think that like i just don't i'm just not someone who likes to pick against mahomes i know that the chiefs were 
uncharacteristically bad for a lot of the season this year, uh, this past year. Um, but as the season went on, they picked it up and let's just be honest, like they choked to the Bengals, which I think is very uncharacteristic. And they were that close to going back to the Super Bowl. So I still view this team as one of the best. I think obviously they have a good chance to make the Super Bowl. Um, but I would not be surprised if they didn't win the division this year, just because of how competitive it is. I could see them finishing second. I could honestly even see them finishing third if things don't go their way. But in any event, uh, the Chiefs getting Juju, I think, is going to keep them competitive in these AFC West matches, uh, and or matchups rather. And and you know, outside of the AFC West, I think they're still going to be rolling most weeks. Yeah, I mean, I I think this team is. You know, as you said, I mean, Juju obviously makes them better. I think it's either going to be one of those scenarios where Juju opens up more for Hill and Kelsey and the other guys, or Juju gets a good workload because those guys are heavily covered. Um, but either way, it's like a huge plus for the offense. And, you know, their offense was already as lead as it gets. And now they're definitely better. I think their defense, though, is a really, really big concern. You know, I think the past i mean the super bowl against the bucks and then also um just last year kind of their whole whole year their their defense was just such a weakness and other teams better defenses kind of just showed them what a good defense looks like and like how like they were stopping mahomes over and over from not as much towards the end of the year but you know throughout the year um i i think if they don't sure up pieces on their defense and get better i mean this window's closed like they, you know, we were talking dynasty. Like every year, they were going back to the Super Bowl. How many were they going to win? But dude, th- this division, everyone else got better on both sides <laughs> of the ball, and the Chiefs did not get better defensively. And I think there's a very good shot that the Chiefs don't win this division this year. And if they're not winning the division, I don't think they're getting that far in the playoffs. Because again, I mean, the I think the Bengals are going to be better, and then we both said the Bills are probably the best team in this in the whole league, and the Bills got better on both sides of the ball as well. So it's just, I don't think the Chiefs are, I think the Chiefs are just like, we can do this again. You know, we'll, we'll be fine. But I just don't think they're recognizing how serious these other teams are going after it. Like, look, these guys have been so good. We need to get there. And I think there's multiple teams that are there now. Yeah, I mean, so I, I still, I think I rate the Chiefs a little bit more highly than you do. However, I will give you a, like, I don't think, like you said that their window is probably closed. I disagree with that, but I will, potentially closed, but I will give a hot take along those lines, which is this. I think the Chiefs are more likely to finish fourth in the AFC West than they are to finish first in the next season. That's my hot take that I sort of don't fully believe, but I honestly kind of do believe because what you said about the defense and also their run game, like there are glaring holes on the Chiefs that need to be addressed. Whereas with the other three teams, like the the needs aren't as glaring. I would say based and on what we know now, needs. right? Like the Chiefs need a running back because let's be honest, like the combination of Clyde and Darrell Williams, like they, they can manufacture yards because it's Andy Reid, but like those guys just aren't like. Like that's not like the type of physical physicality that you want in a running game, and then like you said, like they lost, uh, uh, they lost a cornerback, 
Tyron Matthews still free agent. We don't know what's happening with him. So they really need to address the secondary and the defense as a whole. I think those needs are a lot more glaring than the other three teams in the AFC West, if I'm being completely honest. So that, yep. that's my hot take there. Yep, right there with you. All right, well, I mean, I think that's probably enough for the AFC West. All I know is there's probably still going to be moves. This division's going to be crazy. You know, I could, I could see a world where these are three or four of just the top five, six teams in the entire NFL next year. Like, this division is absolutely loaded. I think we were looking at uh, the NFC West last year as kind of being that division, but I think this division really took over, um, and it, it's going to be exciting to see for sure. Um, I, we don't have many other kind of big-name things to talk about. I think the other big one, though, is Allen Robinson going to the Rams. Um, I think that's that's you know pretty exciting because he was stuck on that Chicago Bears team getting nothing absolutely nothing um you know their quarterback situation wasn't great i think he was also injured here and there but uh you know this is a before the deal one of the more elite wide receivers and like he's obviously can if he gets back to that form this rams team just had another guy to put on the other side or wherever with cup and their offensive weapons and it sounds like because of this bobby trees robert woods was likely to be moved um so it's just I, I don't i don't know i mean the rams just got a great wide receiver and you know they i don't even know if they needed him but they got him yeah i i mean you know obviously we're very into fantasy football even though we haven't talked about it a ton on this podcast yet um but from a fantasy perspective this just sucks for me because i, I just like i was hoping robinson would go somewhere where he would get a lot of volume and now he's going to be at best the second option um, and he could still be a really good second option. He could still be finished as a wide receiver one. But like, anyways, it's just, it was a little frustrating from that perspective. I do think from a real life perspective, this keeps the Rams competitive though. Um, it is going to be interesting to see what they do with Robert Woods, whether or not they trade him just because both him and OBJ are coming off of torn ACLs and OBJ's was obviously in the Super Bowl, So he's going to miss more time than Woods. Yeah, Woods should be back for preseason, I think. Yeah, I, I think the, I think if you're in the Green Bay front office, you're calling the Rams right now to try to get Robert Woods, um, given the need for receiver for, for, for Rodgers. I think Woods would be perfect with I agree. in Green Bay. I mean, all the Rams were saying, you know, I mean, it took them a few weeks to kind of get back on track after he went down because he was such a big focal point of their offense and just did a lot of things that, you know, the casual football player, or football watcher wouldn't recognize. And he wasn't... Um, you know, he and it wasn't with him always catching balls, you know, it was just, you know, the play playmaking and the stuff he did, the blocking, everything. You know, this guy this guy's really good. We'll see what he comes back off of torn ACL, but you know, I, I I'm kinda surprised they're trading him. Like I think it would be I think I mean they're probably high on Van Jefferson and, you know, the tight ends, so they don't necessarily need him, but it's just I don't know, man. Like some of these other offenses, like three, four weapons, like I don't I don't like just keep him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean I feel like I, th- I think maybe it's a bit of a contract thing. Um, it could be yeah, a, a probably, bit of a contract because he signed for multiple years. But, you know, I think it's also just something about intangibles, too. Like, he's a locker room leader by all accounts. Um, he's a great mentor. Like, his he mentored Cooper Cup a lot and helped Cooper Cup become the player that he is today, whether that's, you know, both 
physicality or run blocking or certain wide receiver techniques, but also just like leadership. And like, you know, we talk about football players as commodities a lot of the time, but like it's an actual job too. So like there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes. And Robert Woods is someone that would be great in to have in any locker room. Um, especially one like Green Bay. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but, you know, Rams, you know, this is Robin, uh, Allen Robinson being with Stafford. This is going to be the best quarterback that he's ever played with. So I'd expect Robinson to have a bounce back year. I'd expect him to be more motivated. He's going to be happier living in LA than he was in Chicago. <laughs> um, so I think Robinson with Cup, and then I guess let's just assume Odell is coming back as the third option right now. That that's gonna be you know it's gonna continue to be a dynamic offense. Um, you know, I will say though, Odell's not playing a snap next year. You know, maybe if they get to the playoffs, maybe then. But like, yeah, I'm talking about like you know they make it to the playoffs. I think Van Jefferson will obviously have to step up, but he mm-hmm. was the third wide receiver for most of the year this year or yeah. this past year. So that's the same role that he's gonna be playing again, and he's a young player who could also take a step forward. So Absolutely. that's another thing to watch out for. Um, just one other, uh, I, there's one other big topic I want to hit, but before we do that, I just want to mention quickly that the Colts traded Carson Wentz and a seventh round pick to the Washington Commanders, no longer <laughs> the football team, now they're the Commanders, which by the way, like, I, I think most people disagree with me about this, but like, I'd much rather call them the football team than the Commanders. Yeah, the no, Commanders I, I would too. Like <laughs> terrible, absolutely terrible name. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, they uh, they got they traded Carson Wentz in a seventh in exchange for a third rounder and a conditional third rounder in 2023, and then they also swapped 20. They also swapped second round picks this year, which is favorable for the Colts as well. Um, I don't really have much to say about this. I don't even care because I think Carson Wentz is garbage. But I just want to ask you, who do you think won the trade and why? Um, I think the Colts probably win the trade because they're getting picks. They're getting assets back that they not as good as what they gave up for him to begin with. But, you know, what, what was their like? Ellinger is that is that the backup or was the backup of the Colts or something like that? Who's now the starter? Who they you know people thought could have been the starter last year. Um, so you know I think in the quarterback perspective they're in a fine position and if potentially not even an upgrade. I mean potentially an upgrade. Um, I think this is you know Wentz's last last shot at it. Like this is his last shot. You know I think for twelve weeks of last year Wentz was actually a very adequate. QB. He was not good, but he did what they needed him to do. You know, he he didn't need to throw the ball more than like 15 times a game um, because of their run heavy offense. But when he did throw the ball, like come later in the year, he was making mis- his typical mistakes. Um, and since that injury that took him out of that MVP caliber year against the Eagles, he has not been the same. And, you know, I think this is his last shot. If he doesn't prove it here, I mean, I mean, as I just said, you know, he was adequate for 12 weeks and the Colts were like, nah, this ain't the guy, you know, after making the move to get him last year. Like, I think it just shows what they think of him and what multiple teams think of him. Yeah, I think the sample size of uh, Carson Wentz is big enough at this point to conclude that he's just not <clears throat> that good of a player. Like, you know, he might be slightly above average in the league for quarterbacks for starting quarterbacks, but like he's not going to elevate your franchise such that you should trade for him. I think yeah. that the Colts won this trade very clearly just because not only did they trade Wentz, who clearly they weren't going to be 
you know, cool with moving forward. They also got off of his contract, which is massive. And they got picks for it. And, you know, like, I think that conditional third in 2023, I think that conveys to the Colts if he plays like 70% of the snaps or whatever it is. So like, they probably got two third round picks and they also moved up in the second round and they got off of his contract. I just think it's a clear win for them. The only thing I disagree with you about real quick is just that I don't know that Sam Eilinger is going to be an upgrade over him. However, I do think that they might use this draft capital in another move. Like I could see them going out yeah. and acquiring Baker now that, you know, Watson is on the Browns, or I could see them acquiring Jimmy G because there's a lot of rumors about Jimmy G, mm-hmm. be, you know, being traded. Um, I think Matt Ryan would be probably the best of those three, just from a pure skill perspective. But I think that's a little less likely just because I, I think his cap number is like ridiculously high or yeah, something. It's so high. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to, I think Matt Ryan would have been available had they gotten Watson, but since they didn't get Watson, I, I doubt he's going in. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the Colts do at quarterback. They're de- they definitely need to address the position, whether it's through the draft or, or you know with a free agent in the next you know few weeks or so. Um, anyway, don't need much though. I, th- I mean, I know we we need to move on, but they don't need much. You know, they they were really close. They're, they're really close. They have a great defense. Their run game is arguably the most elite, maybe behind the Titans. Um, but they don't need much from a quarterback. They just need slightly better than Wentz, and they're right there. Yeah, I think they need another. I think they need another. You know, good receiving option. I would say. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, having like Pittman is. I think Pittman's going to be great. Um, I don't. I think Hilton is kind of dust at this point. If I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. And they don't really have anyone else aside from him. Uh, I think Jack Doyle is no longer with the team, so Mo Ali Cox is the starting tight end. He's probably going to be capable, but like it's not like he's in the top yeah. tier of tight ends or anything close to that. So they need some more playmakers as well. Um, anyways, moving on to the last big topic that I wanted to talk about was the Jacksonville Jaguars just spending a absurd amount of money in this free agency on players that aren't even that good, in my opinion. Yeah. But, you know, maybe they'll prove us wrong. The biggest deal was Christian Kirk. Uh, former wide receiver for or former wide receiver for formerly for the Cardinals at like you know he was like the second option behind Hopkins he was fine sure whatever but like the Jaguars gave him 18 million a year base uh, and that could go as high as 21 million per year and that makes him like a top four or five paid receiver in the league which is so so much of an overpayment for for Christian Kirk I mean come on I mean absolutely but we do have to take into account that the salary cap went up Yes, the salary cap did go up, and it's very true that in one or two years, this deal will not look as bad as it currently looks. I fully grant that. However, <laughs> it's still going to be an overpayment. Like, yes, absolutely. They did not need. Who are they bidding against to give him this much money? <laughs> like, I, that's what I'm yeah, curious about. Like, what, what what other team was like? I want to pay Christian Kirk eighteen million. <laughs> like nobody, nobody was. Yeah, was doing may, that, so. maybe a team that was looking for a deep ball threat because we did see, you know, Kirk can be that guy who's a deep ball threat, but you know, a deep ball threat is not worth as much money. You weren't give, you would never have given Deshaun Jackson this much money when he was on the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I actually think that Kirk could be good in other areas of the field as well, like not just deep ball threat. Yeah. And and they also signed Zay Jones and Evan Ingram. So they're really, look, like I appreciate the idea, which is to try to surround their rookie QB with a lot of talent. It's just that at those price points, like I don't know what the hell they're doing, to be honest. Um, and And they also shelled out a bunch of money on the defensive side. And we've seen this time and time again, that when a team 
like the biggest free agency spender each year tends to increase their win total in the next in the upcoming season by anywhere from like three to seven games like there is usually a meaningful increase in wins as a result of signing a lot of free agents however if you look at year two year three year four year five after that it tends to just be more of a shit show because teams aren't built through free agency like it's just not really the case that that happens teams the best teams with lasting success are built through are built through the draft so i just don't really know what the jags are doing because like yes christian kirk's a solid player like yes zay jones showed some actually some solid play this year with the raiders evan ingram you know some people think he's terrible. Other people think he still has some upside. I think he has a little bit of upside, but I'm just questioning whether that's going to be realized in this offense. I, I, I like I can appreciate what they're doing, but like this franchise is not set up for long term success with the amount of money that they just paid. They also like paid a lot of money on the defensive side f- for certain players that like 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 they replaced one guy with another guy but just mm-hmm. on an albatross contract so it's like what's what are they doing i they also I got really rid of don't jack who is arguably their best defender <laughs> yeah miles jack is one of their best was one of their best defensive players he's a i believe he's an off-ball linebacker so i don't really know and then of course the steelers signed miles jack because the steelers are like a smart team when it comes to that kind of yeah thing. i don't know what the jags are doing um i, I mean i, I think it's but, just they're like you said they're trying to surround their their star quarterback with improved players you know these guys are not elite but they're improved from what they had and you know maybe giving their younger guys a chance to develop learn from these slightly older guys and just you know trying to gradually get better like but these these moves are not gonna put them put them much higher you know like you said they they might win three more games this year yeah that's that's about it the it's just interesting because this example is about a topic of team building like how do you build a team what's the best way to do it and right now there's another team in the league with a young quarterback in the new york jets my team who are taking basically the polar opposite approach which is to say you know they're not it's not like they're signing nobody in free agency but they're making very uh they're making very calculated conservative free agent decisions signing you know good value contracts like we just got cj uzoma for three years we just got tyler conklin for two or three years you know two underrated tight ends we re-signed braxton berrios who i think is going to be a capable slot receiver yeah, he's good um and you know obviously we have elijah moore and Corey davis like maybe those names as a whole aren't as good or or as like the jags names although they may even be as good i think they better but <laughs> <laughs> but the point is like we're paying so much less money for them yeah and and we're trying you know the goal is to surround zach wilson with talent just like for the jags the goal is to surround trevor lawrence with talent you need to give your rookie quarterback all the you know the most possible opportunities to succeed but i think the way that the jags are going about it is going to lead to much less long-term success than the approach that the jets are taking and yeah, I could be wrong, I you know, we'll see what happens. It's not like it always pans out that way, but it's I mean, just interesting to bring, are... it's just interesting to bring it up because it, it does speak to the difference, different ways of building a team. Yeah. I mean, I think the chargers are kind of in the same boat as what you guys are doing now in terms of just the past couple of years, you know, they, they really tooled, retooled through the draft and, you know, signed some guys, but nothing big. And then this year they made that move. 
right? They made that move to really take that jump. And I think the Jets could very well be on that track within a year or or two to be that in that same position to just, you know, pull the trigger, get it, get really spend on some really good guys and you're there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Before we go, uh, who is your biggest team winner of free agency and who is your biggest individual winner of free agency? Ooh, biggest team winner. I mean, I think you you have to probably say the Chargers. And I mean, I obviously I might be a little biased here, but I also think they didn't give up any really anything, and they signed guys to add to their young core, um, and and they got some pretty elite guys. So you know, I think they and they're shoring up some of their holes. Um, I just think the other teams that made big moves had to give up a lot to get them, which can be limiting. Maybe not this year, but down the line. Um, and then I, I think just because of how the division went, the biggest loser is the Chiefs, just because they had those glaring gaps that didn't get filled and everyone else got better. Um, but the biggest individual winner is probably Devontae Adams, I would say. You know, he, he no longer in Green Bay in kind of a weird situation. Um, he gets to play with someone he knows who's a very capable quarterback and could maybe even be in a better position to win in a year or two. Yeah, I had two, I had two teams in mind, and I had two individual winners in mind. And you said one of each of them, so I'll I'll <laughs> just go with the other. Uh, my big team winner is the Broncos. Um, I I think that you know as good as the Chargers did in terms of getting players without giving anything up, like you said, and and while the the Broncos did have to give a lot up to get Wilson, I think just the upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater slash Drew Locke to Russell Wilson is just like the obviously this we're talking about the most the singular most important position in football is quarterback. So it really speaks for itself there. I don't need to say much more about that. That's my team winner. Um, and then my, so I was going to say Devonte Adams, cause it's like, he gets to live in <laughs> Vegas. Now he gets, a, yeah. you know, a giant contract. He's the highest paid receiver in the league. Uh, great offense arrows. Honestly, arrows right now pointing more up on the Raiders than it is the Packers. However, you said that. So my biggest individual winner um <laughs> controversially is Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson like a year ago their request or even just like a couple months ago where we were like okay he may not have never play in the NFL again like what if he gets you know what if he gets uh criminally charged etc cetera, etc cetera. now he he just went from that to a fully guaranteed quarter of a billion dollars so yeah. it's hard to not have him as a winner um in this exercise and yes and of course he's on a better team he, you know like every player he probably aspires to win a super bowl so being on the browns will allow him to do that or you know much more likely so than than if he was on the texans but just getting a fully guaranteed contract like we didn't even talk about this in the pod we'll have to maybe address another time but like nfl doesn't do that like nfl doesn't give fully guaranteed contracts so yeah. this was I might have even been the first one ever, but just that amount of guaranteed money, it, he can't not be a winner given where he was like a month or a month ago. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, I feel like we covered the biggest points of free agency. Um, like I said at the top of the podcast, um, we will be back probably in two or three or four days recapping the first round, uh, crazy round of March Madness and why we 
suck at betting it, <laughs> uh, as well as uh, some other topics possibly. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, Josh, any final thoughts before we sign off here? Nah, I'm I'm ready to watch some more March Madness today. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a good time. Uh, also excited for this UFC card coming up today as well in London, England. So that's gonna be cool. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right, we will sign off now. Uh, For Josh, I am Ian. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you soon. All right, take care, everybody.